We all know that Buddhist teaching focuses itself on the goal of reaching nirvana, or so-called enlightenment. However, as wonderful as the state of enlightenment and unbinding may seem, it remains an extremely vague concept to the ordinary mind. A universally agreeable path and parameters for the enlightened state is still absent despite sudden years of development, research, and teachings. Hence, my speculation arises. Has the true essence of enlightenment been lost in the turbine of false teachings? Without Buddha's spirituality, determination, and potentially having dust in our eyes, how are we supposed to distinguish the right teacher in the right dimension as he did in the noble search? Also, when we were taught by those who are enlightened, how can we really know if that person is enlightened or not? How can we really believe that they are enlightened unless we are them? This furthered the issue of trust in epistemology in Buddhism. According to Dignaga, the accurate, accurate approach to reality is through sensation, which is whatever that cannot be expressed through language. Is it possible that the teaching of the words resulting from logical reasoning and language process are all deceiving inferences that are destined to drive us further detour. Today, I have two guest speakers with me, and we will further the question the and we will further question the trustworthiness and belief in Buddhist philosophy through the lenses of epistemology. As we previously mentioned, there are some different philosophical takes regarding skepticism, trustworthiness and belief in the epistemology of Buddhism. First of all, the Buddha himself did not explicitly promote blind adherence or devotion to any doctrine of thought without critical thinking. In one attempt, the Buddha sought to solve this by seeking a middle ground between extreme skepticism and unwavering belief. The doctrine of thought in Buddhism is one that promotes personal identity, thought, and experience. However, in Pali, the term sada means faith and refers to a sort of serene trust and commitment to enlightened individuals, the teaching of the Buddha, or concepts in Buddhism like karma and the possibility of achieving enlightenment. Some Buddhists find or reinforce their faith in the practices and doctrine of Buddhism through an act known as taking refuge. From an epistemological stance, this act seems to further convey that the teachings of the Buddha, specifically the Dharma, which is worshipped daily during refuge, seem to provide a guideline for what is and also what is not. The monastic codes further the sense of faith and belief which derive from the original teachings of the Buddha. The code set terms for what monks can and cannot do. As the Buddha puts it, the wrongdoings of Buddhist monks might hurt any chances of persuading non-believers or cause, not, cause believers to turn away. At the same time, the monks are not supposed to adhere so closely to the notion of faith that their teachings become hypocritical 
and turn against the nature of self-enlightenment, which is promoted frequently in Buddhism. Another attempt to solve this issue is to take refuge and to lead a life with the Dharma at the core, and in doing so, follow the Buddhist path. By taking the Buddha's lead, you necessarily surrender some independent thought. However, you are not relinquished of all responsibility in terms of undergoing personal experiences, thoughts, and identity. Personally, I think it is difficult to justify some parts of the Buddhist philosophy when each philosopher has their own take on Buddhism. For example, when we look at Buddhist philosophers' view on how to define what substances are real, one philosopher, Descartes, believes that a substance qualities is what makes the substance real. For example, a cup is real because it is solid and it has the ability to hold things. Whereas Aristotle believes that causal power is what makes substances real. Looking at this through the lens of epistemology, which philosopher's belief is justified? How do we justify their opinion? And who should we believe? Although it makes sense for each philosopher to have their own take, it is difficult to believe who is right, especially when these opinions all arise from Buddha's teachings thousands of years ago. And through time, those teachings will drastically change. This makes me question, should we continue to look at other Buddhist philosophers' views on Buddhism, or should we stick to looking at Buddha's original recorded teachings and then make our own interpretations off of what we read? Even if we only focus on Buddha's original teachings, what we read may be flawed simply due to the language barrier and how several words have different meanings. One may think that in order to really understand Buddhism, it is a good idea to read from several philosophers' perspectives on Buddha's teachings. However, each philosopher's perspectives can be so contradicting that it is difficult to pinpoint who is right. Going back to what Ashton said about the Buddha choosing to teach the middle ground, those who carry on Buddha's teachings may lean more towards extreme skepticism or unwavering belief. Additionally, I find it contradicting that in Buddhism, it is encouraged to follow the Dharma, which tells monks what they can and cannot do. Yet at the same time, the doctrine of thought in Buddhism is viewed to promote personal identity and experience. If this is the case, then shouldn't there be no rules to tell us what we can and cannot do? How are we supposed to find our personal identity when there are codes we must follow in order to end suffering? Personally, I believe that the goal to end suffering entirely contradicts the idea of finding our personal identity.
I think that it is important for someone to go through suffering in order to discover what is important to them. Because suffering and personal identity is tied to one another, in my opinion. After all, isn't it important to suffer in order to, in order to determine what is important to you? I think in order to make this teaching more justified, there needs to be a more clear answer on how much freedom one can have to reach enlightenment while also finding their own identity. <clears throat> I agree with Nock in the sense that there are some inconsistencies in the epistemology of Buddhist teachings. I find it challenging to comprehend that the monks must undergo a process of self-discovery in order to bring an end to their suffering while also following a set of guidelines specifically tailored to ensure the monks do not venture far off onto their own path. It seems to me that the Buddhist promotion of self-experience and discovery are contradicted in many of the rituals that are universal amongst devoted Buddhists or Buddhist monks. Through an epistemological scope, the Dharma and the specific actions taken to foster faith in the teachings of the Buddha are incompatible. For example, the Sutta is a text in which the Buddha argues against following sacred authority, tradition, and means of verification. On the other hand, the Buddha teaches that we are supposed to abide by four noble truths and follow the same eightfold path as others who are seeking the same sort of enlightenment. These are all great takes, but in the end, we are all unenlightened people. Judging what are possibly enlightened thoughts that are not meant for us to understand. Is epistemology even the right way to assess the teachings? These are greater questions that we are, we are not able to answer right now. Perhaps true enlightenment is one of those things that can only be, only be understood through direct sensation, and we will not fully comprehend it until we have reached the enlightenment state ourselves. <laughs>